The S. Hallinge of the future. The future will be the future if it is different from today, in other words, if the world we live in does not change in a thousand years, then the future is still a thousand years away. If we have changes in this decade, then the future is now. We may not know much about the future, but it will be different from the present and will emerge from today's world. There are two types of progress, horizontal progress, a type of progress that occur from being a copycat. It entails going from one to n. If you have a computer, and you build 200 more, you have only achieved horizontal progress. Vertical progress, this is achieved by doing something new. It is getting from zero to one. Vertical progress is more difficult to achieve because it is an endeavor that has never done before. For instance, if you have a computer, then you build a word processor, this is vertical progress. Globalization is another form of horizontal progress, it is the taking of an idea from one place and applying it elsewhere. You can only make vertical progress from technological breakthroughs, and this doesn't just describe computers. If you discover a new way to do something, that is technology. Both globalization and technology are different types of progress, and they might not occur concurrently. One can occur without the other, and both can happen simultaneously, or maybe neither of them. Between these two progress terms, technology is the defining force of the future. It is inevitable to think the world is nearing a sort of end state. The term developed world means some countries are on another level of technological advancement, and the less developed ones need to catch up. The technology in today's world is not sustainable, especially if all countries adopt it. There are limited resources, and the environment cannot sustain the level of pollution it would generate. Therefore, globalization without advances in technology would make the planet inhabitable. At the beginning of this decade, many people thought technology would improve tremendously, that humans would no longer have to work for many hours, vacationing to the moon would no longer be a fantasy, and we would all be riding in flying cars. As it is, the only vertical progress made is computer technology. Progress does not come automatically, we must first imagine it, then translate it into improving the world we live. Party like it's 1999. People easily fall for delusional beliefs, and this is in no small part to the persuasiveness of conventional wisdom. An effective way to eliminate delusion and think clearly is to study history. Go back in time to the 1990s, many have warm and nostalgic sentiment for this era. Because in this era, both the good and the bad happened. This was the period grunge music proved how bummed out everyone was. The dot-com mania raged from 1998 to 2000. Money was being thrown at almost every startup by investors. Many people left their good-paying jobs to start their own, confident they would become rich. As a result, lots of money were lost, but the dot-com boom was so alluring, they didn't heed the warning signs. Silicon Valley irrational exuberance about the tech bubble made common sense seem like an eccentric attitude. Then came the dot-com crash, the good times came to an end, and up to today, the trauma still haunts Silicon Valley. It instilled some common sense that persists till today, including suspicion of grandiose visions. And the fact that small advances, incremental changes are more sustainable, hence safer. Agility became one of the most valuable traits any firm could have. Companies realized rather than going all out investing in long-term plans, it needed to be lean and mean, aptly responding to changing circumstances and the business environment. They realized it was more important to improve existing products than create new ones, study the competition, and imitate them. These lessons are of central importance. But on the other hand, there is huge wisdom in the opposite. 
A company will get more value if it is bold, and makes a big move. Of course, planning is key. A competitive market is not where the huge profits come from, it is in the new markets. You also need to know that sales are just as important as the product, and advertisement is not a waste of resources. If you have been overcompensating, you need to start taking risks, do not go crazy like the people of the 90s, instead, strike a balance between caution and take a chance on innovation. All happy companies are different. Your company can create a lot of value without actually becoming valuable. A successful company such as Google, captures some of the value it creates. A key factor that determines what a company earns is the competition. It will vary from industry to industry and company to company. Think of it as a balancing scale. On one end of it, there is an absolute monopoly with no competition. Some monopolies are as a result of questionable tactics against potential rivals, others become monopolies because they get lucrative contracts or licenses with the state. And some other monopolistic companies get to that level by being innovative, creating unique and useful products. When we talk about monopoly in this book, we are referring to this group. Companies that are so good, they leave their competition way behind. On the other end of the scale, there is intense competition, where prices are determined by forces of demand and supply. Companies offer similar products, and they sell at a market price determined by the forces. Companies cannot make much money from this type of market. Monopoly is the condition of every successful business. In competitive markets, companies have super tight margins, while monopolies are better for profit. Both competing and monopolistic companies often tell white lies. A monopolistic company will not like to attract government scrutiny by admitting they are a monopoly. On the other hand, a competitive company will understate their competitive condition, and emphasize its unique selling points. In a static world, monopolies are bad, they can increase the price of their product knowing people will pay. However, in a dynamic world, it is a creative force that gives people more choices. The government understands this, and that is why there is a patent system, which allows a company to be a monopoly for a while. This drives invention because companies know if they invent new things, they will enjoy a monopoly on it for a substantial amount of time, helping them make a good profit off it. Happy companies create monopolies for their unique business environment, unhappy businesses have one problem, competition. The ideology of competition. Monopolistic companies generate profits when they create innovative products that benefit society. When there is competition, innovation is discouraged, and profit eroded. We have been taught competition is good, but this is not true. The fact that our world champions competition does not make it right. Competition can be looked at from two viewpoints, Marx and Shakespeare. In Marx's view, people have conflict because life circumstances made them different from the other person. Workers fight the bourgeoisie because of conflicting ideas and goals. There is no reason to fight, but they fight anyway. Truth is, the more they fight, the more they become like one another. Shakespeare's view is more accurate when it comes to the business world. People tend to become overly competitive that they lose sight of more important goals. Consider the competition between Google and Microsoft, it is more like the warring families in Romeo and Juliet. These companies fight each other because they are similar. Creative monopoly means new products that benefit everybody and sustainable profits for the creator. Competition means no profits for anybody, no meaningful differentiation, and a struggle for survival. In a competitive environment, innovation is discouraged, and obsessive hostility becomes the order of the day. 
It messes with people's perception and priorities. People become copycats, which limits innovations. Back in the 1990s, there was intense competition in the online pet store niche. Petstore.com, Potopia.com, Pets.com and many others were busy fighting over market share forgetting even to consider if the business was lucrative enough before considering whether to fight over it. Eventually, the online pet store crashed and burned, and many investment capitals were lost. Sometimes it's best to resolve the challenge of competition by merging with your rival. Elon Musk and Thiel were rivals, till they both realized the dot-com bubble was a bigger threat to their companies. So, they merged, it is difficult to merge with a rival to become bigger together, and on this occasion, they both overcame the dot-com threat. At other times, you need to fight. And when this time comes, you need to fight hard to win. Pick the right battles, fight with honor and pride. Last mover advantage. Many startups don't make much money, but they are worth more in value than some established companies with excellent cash flows. This may sound illogical at first, but there is a good reason for this. A critical consideration of a company is the potential it has to generate revenue in the future. Established companies have competitions, and their profit has been eroded by market forces. Innovative startups are more likely to be monopolies, having plenty of good days ahead. So, even if it loses money this year, it is still valued more than an established company that was in the greens in the same period. Growth is important for survival, and a company has to survive first, before thinking about success. Most of a tech company's value will come at least 10 to 15 years in the future. These are some of the typical features of monopolies, proprietary technologies, which give a company a major advantage. A company that has a proprietary technology will offer much more than its competitor, and it's primed to be a monopoly. However, if the technology is just marginally better that of its competitors, it won't impress anyone in a crowded market. Another feature is the network effects, for instance, the more friends you establish on Facebook, the more valuable Facebook becomes to you. Usually, a network business needs to start small, then scale up, because it is impossible to get millions on board all at once. Many companies do miss the opportunity to get into these types of businesses at the start, because they look are very small and don't look promising. A company will get stronger when it is bigger. Economies of scale ensure the cost of running the business like engineering, office space doesn't increase proportionally as the company gets bigger. In this regard, monopolies scale up well, but labor-intensive industries dependent on heavy use of customer service will not. Also, a strong brand image can strengthen a monopoly. Of course, the company must offer substance to back the brand name. An excellent example of this is Apple, its strong brand appeal is because of the high quality of its products. A brand name should be more than just cool, your product must have inherent value, if not, your brand won't have a staying power. In summary, start small, then monopolize. Find your niche, then scale up. Don't start out disruptive. This will be a significant drain on your energy and resources. Business is like a game of chess, strategy is key, you have to consider your endgame to succeed. You are not a lottery ticket. Many successful entrepreneurs, including Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, argue luck has a huge influence on how successful their business is. Thiel argues we might tend to dismiss anyone who succeeds according to the above assertion. While it cannot be objectively tested, the sample size of a single successful person is one, as you read along, I guess you have the same opinion. Or why else are you reading if you believe success was a completely random thing? 
Ralph Waldo Emerson captured this ethos when he wrote, Shallow men believe in luck, believe in circumstances. Strong men believe in cause and effect. Consider Steve Jobs, he is proof that you need to create your own success. He didn't start by asking the opinion of a focus group, he designed for perfection, and knew what he wanted. He envisioned and executed a long-term plan to produce and distribute innovative products. Jobs changed the world with his careful, backward, planning. There are four different attitudes to the future. They are, definite optimism, the future can be predicted and it will better indefinite optimism, the future cannot be predicted, but it will be better definite pessimism, the future can be predicted, and it will be worse, and indefinite pessimism, the future cannot be predicted, and it will be worse. Everyone is as lucky as everyone else. You will only get luckier if you work harder and smarter. Follow the money. An Italian economist, Vilfredo Pareto, discovered the Pareto Principle in 1906. He found that 20% of the people were owners of 80% of the lands in Italy. This developed into a concept now known as the 80-20 rule. This principle was common everywhere, the big cities dwarf the surrounding smaller ones. Monopolies make more profit than other companies combined who actively compete in their niche. This also holds true for the flow of money. A venture capitalist should not over-diversify, as returns are not evenly distributed. For instance, some company will fail, others will be profitable, and few companies will return 10x their initial investment. If represented by a graph, it will look like an inverse probability plot. As an investor, you should focus on superior performing companies like this. For instance, the author's investment in Facebook dwarfs the combined returns of all his other investments. His second best investment Palantir is about to earn higher returns than all other investments combined, apart from Facebook. Use the secrets. Yes, secrets. But not real secrets, but secrets in the sense of discoveries. Everything known today used to be unknown. Today obvious things had to be discovered. We tend to believe there are no hard questions left, and that technology has answered them all. Well, that is not true, there will always be questions without answers and questions which cannot be easily answered. This was the belief of Unabomber Ted Kaczynski, a terrorist who went destroying existing institutions, so humans could start from the start answering difficult and satisfying questions. Religious fundamentalists also think this way, they believe there are questions we have answers to, and others called mysteries whose answers are known by God only. And every other thing is heresy. Environmentalism is also a fundamentalist religion, the only truth they know is how to protect the universe. Aside from that, they believe everything else is in the hands of nature, who has all the answers and cannot be questioned. The best entrepreneurs know this, every great business is built around a secret that's hidden from the outside. A great company is a conspiracy to change the world, when you share your secret, the recipient becomes a fellow conspirator. If you think there is nothing left to discover, you are wrong. There are many secrets left. For instance, injustice thrives in an environment of ignorance, and it is only through the beacon of knowledge can we only restore justice. If you do not search for something, you will not find it, you will never succeed if you do not try. If you think it is impossible, you will not do it. You have to do it, or it will not be done. You can do amazing things. There are many amazing discoveries to be done. But you need to try. If you come upon a secret, be wary of who you share it with. Sharing your knowledge could be dangerous. As a rule of thumb, do not share your secrets with anyone except those who need to be informed. Sometimes, your journey will be significantly shorter if you take the hidden path.
Foundations The foundation, the start of all endeavors is critical. Decisions made at the onset may be difficult to change later. Mistakes at the beginning may be devastating for startups. This is the period where the groundwork is laid when the rules are written. It is the determinant of all that happens after. As a result, you need to be careful about your choice of co-founder. Don't go into business with just anyone. Consider your partnership similar to a marriage. Avoid a messy divorce by being careful who you choose as a partner. Apart from a sound partner, you also need the right team. You need your team to get along. You need a structure and well-defined roles. Do not worry about stifling your team's creativity. Without the right structure, there will be anarchy, and your team won't thrive when there is anarchy. Control, possession, and ownership are all different things. With startups, the possession and ownership always go to the owner while control belongs to the board. This can create conflict. Small boards are better than bigger ones. Decisions are reached quicker, and conflict easily curtailed. Three board members are okay, do not ever have more than five members. Even a three-man board can still bring a firm series of problems, a small number can be very effective in opposing management decisions. Therefore, be cautious of those you choose a board of directors. Avoid outsourcing. Keep your team working together full-time. Avoid part-time and telecommuting workers. Every team member needs to feel like they're pushing to achieve the same goal. In Ken Kesey words, you're either on the bus or off the bus. Ensure your CEO remain lean and hungry. A low-earning CEO keeps him from getting stuck defending the status quo. Also, everyone also gets the message that the boss is super committed. A low-earning CEO will make it easy to keep everyone's pay low as well. You also need to compensate your team adequately. If you take the cash compensation route, your employer's focus will be shifted to short-term value. Consider the use of stock options as bonuses. By giving equity, employers feel they have a stake in the company, but do not let your employees know the amount of equity owned by their coworkers. This can trigger hostility and jealousy. A stock option is an excellent way to increase workers' loyalty. Not everyone will agree though, some will prefer cash payments. A business birth does not have to be temporary. In Bob Dylan's word, those who aren't busy being born are busy dying. The start is a period of flexibility, characterized by openness. You should institutionalize this openness and instill a culture that encourages innovation. This way, your company will remain new and innovative forever. The mechanics of mafia. Do not outsource core functions, build a team, keep the spirit high, and the group tight. What comes to your mind when you think about a company's culture? Maybe you have a picture of a place where people not only love their work, but a fun place. Such fun workplaces abound in Silicon Valley, some firms are known to have sushi chefs, and ping-pong tables. But does these make up the company culture? No. The company is the culture. The author built a team at PayPal that went on to start many successful companies. After leaving PayPal, they founded startups such as YouTube, LinkedIn, Tesla Motors. This cohort was termed the, the PayPal Mafia. When the author was recruiting this bunch, he did not follow the standard playbook of looking at a resume, he assembled a group who genuinely liked each other, it was a different approach to hiring. When looking to hire a team, look from a prospect's point of view. Consider the reasons this group will like to work for you. Recruiters probably tell them they will earn a lot, work with brilliant people, and solve real-life problems. These are nice reasons to come to your firm, but they probably have heard the same from many potential recruiters. You need to give other cogent reasons to pick your firm over others. 
When your prospective hires ask you why they should work for your firm, you should give a response specific to your company. To attract talented individuals, tell them why your firm is unique and important. Do not try to sway anyone with benefits of perks. You should aim to attract loyal employees, not people looking for a free parking space. Your employees should be given benefits obtained in the industry. Employ similar individuals, they need to gel and work well together. The group should be different in the same way. For instance, if they all love comic books or any other thing, they will get along and work well together. The roles of your team members should be well-defined, to reduce conflict. This will discourage competition over turf. Avoid internal conflict, it is deadly to a startup. If you build it, will they come? Sales are the lifeblood of every business. Distribution is crucial. Many people don't like middlemen, especially technological startup, they do not understand their importance. Marketing is the medium which help people discover your products. Advertisement is important, and it works. It helps input an idea into a potential customer's mind. People think salespeople are not working. All their schmoozing looks more like socializing. A good salesperson is similar to watching a good actor. They do their work so well, it is difficult to see how much hard work they put into making sales. If you have a great sales and distribution network, you can create a monopoly, even if you are offering a product no different from the competition. To succeed, you need to invest in a strong distribution network. Companies measure distribution with two numbers, the Customer Lifetime Value CLV, and the Customer Acquisition Cost CAC. The Customer Lifetime Value CLV, is defined as the average amount of profit you can gain from a customer. The CLV has to be higher than the total amount you spend on customer acquisition, which is known as CAC. The more expensive your products, the more you should spend to acquire new customers, and the more time you should devote to the process. If your product requires advertising or salespeople to sell it, it's not good enough. Technology is primarily about product development, not distribution. Salespeople sell directly to customers. The huge deals are closed by CEOs, not by salespersons. There is a difference between expensive products that need personal sales strategies and inexpensive products that can be promoted using traditional advertising. If you have a product of $1,000, it is not worth employing and paying sales staff. Your ideal customers are probably the small business owners, and mass marketing is not effective in reaching this market segment. Advertising and marketing are for low-priced products, where there are no salespeople to sell them. Startups should advertise their products when there are no solid distribution channels. But avoid competing with big companies when running your advertisement campaigns. You need to have at least one distribution channel for your products, or else you will fail. Apart from pitching your products to customers, you also need to convince your investors, employees, and the media. Do not expect your product to be super awesome such that customers and investors will beat a path to your door. Invest in quality public relations strategy, tell your own story, the way you want it told. Man and Machine Unlike the author's pal Elon of PayPal, Thiel has an optimistic outlook about AI. He believes machine and man have complementary skill sets and the future will be built by working together. For instance, in pattern recognition, a four-year-old can quickly identify a cat. On the other hand, a machine will require gigabytes of training data to perform the same identification process. Thiel and his team built a fraud detection system at PayPal. The system used a combination of anomaly detection statistics which flags suspicious fraudulent transactions and relay the information to a human controller, who further investigates it. 
After investigating, feedbacks were fed into the software, making it a human-in-the-loop AI solution. Also, Palantir, the author's new company, is bridging the gap between two national security approaches. There is a huge difference between the NSA and the CIA. The CIA uses a human-driven approach, while the NSA is machine-driven. The new company, Palantir, is developing a hybrid approach using AI, ML-driven techniques to collate and analyze data, which relies on human analysts to give explanations and unique insights. According to Thiel, machines will empower humans and not replace them. We do not need to worry about AI in this century. The question should be, how can computers help us solve hard problems? Seeing green. At the beginning of the 21st century, many businesses focus on green technology. Investors were being mobilized to invest billions of dollars into the new clean form of energy. Most of these businesses are out of business, they failed because they did not follow the basic elements necessary for success. To be successful, a startup needs a proprietary technology that is significantly better than its competitors. These cleantech companies failed at this. Their products were about twice as better than the competition, while some were not even good enough. To be successful, your product should be at least 10 times better than your closest competitor. Your product has to be obviously better than every other thing on the market to capture customer interest. The timing was wrong. The cleantech companies expected solar technology to go viral as computer technology. Solar tech has been around for long, however, the development has been slow. While the growth of computer tech has always been fast. To enter an industry, you need to identify if it is a fast, or slow-growing technology and treat it as appropriate. There is little money to be made in a competitive market. This is why startups emphasize their uniqueness. However, you need to be realistic and decide whether your product can survive in a real monopoly. To do this, you need a thorough knowledge of the industry you are in. The executives leading a startup should be experts in the product, like engineers, not salesmen. Distribution is just as important as the product. You need to find the right distribution channel and communicate effectively with your customers. Cultivate durability. Be the last mover in the market. Plan for the next 20 years or more, and anticipate changes in the market. Keep your secrets to yourself. Big companies have reasons for success, that their competitors don't see. The concept of doing something good for society is misguided. You should instead look like doing something different, this way the society will benefit more from it. Tesla is a cleantech company that have found success. This is proof the cleantech idea was not the problem, rather, how the cleantech startups ran their firms. The founder's paradox. Founders usually have unusual traits. Their traits do not follow a normal distribution. It is closer to being inversely distributed. The founder is cash poor but very rich in terms of equity in his company. Founders are not ordinary people. They occupy extremes of bell curves, and once in a while, they are found occupying both ends at once, i.e., being cash poor but rich on paper. The author also made an interesting point about startup founders, although they are valued multiples of millions, he might still live on a modest salary. He might seem poor, and at the same time rich, it depends on the angle you look. Founders can be a hero and villain, poor and rich, or genius and idiot at the same time. This is the uniqueness of being a founder. Therefore, be tolerant of their extreme qualities, this is the way they lead companies beyond mere incrementalism. If your goal is to never make a mistake in your life, you shouldn't look for secrets.
The prospect of being lonely but right dedicating your life to something that no one else believes in is already hard. The prospect of being lonely and wrong can be unbearable. For instance, Richard Branson becomes a founder at a very young age, but he did not adopt his eccentric traits until after he became successful. It is marvelous not just to think outside the box, but live inside as well. But that also comes with its own problems. One challenge with standing out is that you will become a scapegoat when something goes wrong. A typical example of how easy to crash can be found in celebrities. Business needs eccentric leaders like Bill Gates, even though they are often magnets for hostility. The biggest danger for a founder is to become self-conceited such that he loses his mind. Conclusion The task facing businesses is to create new things that will benefit and change the future, an innovation that goes from zero to one. To achieve this, think, view the world anew, see it like the ancients who saw the future we live in today, recreate it and preserve the future, making it a better place to live in. Try this, start small and dominate. When you have that one idea to base your startup on, don't expand too quickly. Identify a niche where you can outperform your competition and dominate. After establishing a monopoly, expand to other markets.